is I think in this jumble to move everything online, we've become so concerned about the technology and we forget that it's actually how cared for people feel that's going to make a difference. And it doesn't actually have a heck of a lot to do with the technology. Hi, everyone. I'm Yannicka Ritchie, and this is Brixed Bytes, where we talk about the sometimes messy realities of taking on modern technologies and daring to go digital. Today on the podcast, I'm speaking with Emma Rooney, a creativity facilitator and the founder of Blooming Caravan, a mobile business that brings creative companionship to older adults in their homes across Toronto. As a creativity facilitator, Emma works with her clients on the projects that they want to work on, perhaps writing a memoir, getting back to the garden, or working together in the kitchen. You can imagine that for Emma and her clients, the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic has been profound, and it continues to be. But Emma hasn't let that challenge stop her. She's found ways to deliver her programs using modern technologies. On the podcast today, we get into how she did that, how she transformed her very much in-person, on-site programs to deliver them virtually. She also helps us better understand how we as well-meaning family members can sometimes get in the way of helping our loved ones stay independent when it comes to technology. And we get pretty real about what we think needs to happen to take better care of our seniors. Here's Emma. Do you remember the moment when you realized that you couldn't do it the old way anymore? Yeah. It was a big, a big uh, turning point. Uh, so one of the things I do is I work as a horticultural therapist in long-term care. Over time, I really learned how to adapt the programs, which often meant having all sorts of wonderful plant material on my cart and being able to take that right into people's rooms because it wasn't always realistic to get people out into the garden. At the beginning of COVID, I was still able to do that. And then as we went a little bit further along, I could still do that, but I would have to ask people not to touch the beautiful things, the plants, the rocks, everything that was on the cart that I had brought, especially for them. And it still seemed to be to work okay because we had that relationship established and, you know, just being surrounded by plants can make such a difference. And then it got to the stage where basically the cart was in the storage closet. We were now really social distancing and PPE. Then all of a sudden I found myself at home, not able to go into the long-term care and dealing with the very real situation of uh, losing residents who I had um, a beautiful relationship with and not being there for the end of life and um, not being able to hold their hands and just to have to be doing all of that virtually. And it was, it was really, really tough to realize that it's maybe gonna be quite a while until I'm able to be there in person with, with people. And, and feeling a bit, I'm sure, um, what families were feeling who couldn't be there at such a, like a really um, devastating time. So I'm sure that required a deep breath or two. And yet I know that you have found some ways to build connection over distance. Can you talk a little bit about 
what you've done to, to do that and how you've gone about doing that? The first big transition for me was realizing that I don't have to stop doing everything that I was doing before. And I really had to think about that cart. What was the purpose of it? And the purpose was to bring nature to people, to do it in a way that was accessible to them, to know their interests and passion and be able to connect that way. And I needed to figure out how to do that virtually. This is about getting the technology to dissolve and to find our way back to those things that we knew before were important. In this jumble to move everything online, we've become so concerned about the technology and we forget that it's actually how cared for people feel that's going to make a difference. And it doesn't actually have a heck of a lot to do with the technology. Because I work with seniors, older adults, it was really easy to become very overwhelmed when I thought, okay, how am I going to reach this audience online? And I really had to say, okay, stop worrying about this huge demographic of people who are very different and have very different experiences and focus on the people that I know, even just one of my clients and think, okay, how will they experience the program? What do I know about them? And making adjustments from there gets me a lot closer than getting overwhelmed by all the challenges that we face right now. One of the significant things that happened for me is a group of colleagues, we all have our own businesses, got together on Zoom. That broke the ice. Having the experience for myself and realizing that it was creating a lot of comfort to be able to connect with people made me a little bit more open to think about how I might use it in my business. It was low stakes. We weren't trying to deliver a program, but it gave us the experience of messing around with the tools to be able to think how we would. And now that we're going into the fall, I'm encountering a lot of community groups that do wonderful in-person work with seniors. And they tell me, oh, I, I, we haven't been doing any online programming since March, and we haven't had any in-person programming. We're going to be starting it now. My heart sort of drops because I think, oh, wow, the learning curve is steep. And it's all those months of all those mistakes that you make that really get you to the point that you're at now. And I just wish as messy as it was that people had the opportunity to jump in there, even with their staff teams. Some organizations haven't been doing Zoom or have, you know, haven't been using WhatsApp. It's not just Zoom. Um, maybe you haven't even been really having too many conference calls. Transitioning my programming started very early. I couldn't visit uh, clients in their homes. So we would set up Skype calls. And often it was Skype because that's what people were using before. So they already had it installed. You know, right away it was, wow, this can work. We're seeing each other. Some of my clients were really surprised at this technology. And I found just watching it through their eyes, I got excited again. Like, yeah, it, it's not the same as a hug, but it, it feels pretty great when you've gone a few weeks without seeing somebody to be able to connect that way. And I, I also found actually, we shouldn't give up on the old school landline telephone because that was great too. Sometimes I would be able to have a few short conversations with somebody and it was just that step 
to think about how we might connect through something like uh, Zoom. As somebody who works with nature connection, it has been tricky. It's not the same as getting out into the park. And so it's trying to find little ways. So one of the things I've been doing a lot for myself is trying to use some type of grounding object before I jump onto a call, whether that's a rock or a piece of wood, or even just finding my feet on the ground to, to remind myself I'm on this earth and this other person that I'm talking to is also on this earth and begin the conversation like the old way of saying, hey, what's the weather in your area like? Have you had a chance to look out the window today? You know, it was early spring when we all retreated into our homes. And sometimes as the season progressed, some of my clients hadn't even known that, you know, the cherry blossoms are opening, the trees now have leaves, but they needed that little signal to go and take a look. And I think that's been really neat too. Just because we're online doesn't mean that everything has to happen online. Sometimes it's just what gets people thinking about looking out the window or I can show them a picture of what I'm seeing and ask if they're seeing uh, something, something similar. Over time, we developed an online gardening club and you just sort of figure it out as you go through the experience as you really want to connect with people, you figure it out. Hi, it's Janneke. I'm just checking in with you. Thought I'd share some exciting news. Emma and I will be doing a live follow-up podcast on Thursday, November 5th. We'll be going deeper on some of the ideas and insights we talk about in this podcast. And we'll be taking your questions. So I invite you to join us. To sign up and for more information, please visit orangegate.ca. That's orangegate.ca. I look forward to seeing you. Now, back to Emma's story. It sounds like you're actually feeling kind of enthusiastic about this, maybe didn't want it to be this way. But now that we're here seeing opportunities that maybe were not as visible to you earlier. For a lot of the clients that I work with who are living with memory loss with dementia, without a care partner to support them, the technology is not accessible. It's not there yet. So we're seeing the technology companies and the big healthcare companies accelerating their services in this area, but we're a long ways off from the social and the community thinking about how we're going to deliver our programs using this technology. So I, I am optimistic. There's still a fair amount of anxiety going into the fall. How do we continue to advance this and to ensure that we're offering meaningful connections for people? There is the possibility that there'll be such an emphasis on physical health as the technology advances that will lose all those gains that have been made in terms of thinking about people's emotional health. So yeah, I think, I think there still has to be a lot of discussions. People who work with medically fragile older adults, they're acutely aware of the challenges and they are in a really great position to connect with people who are making technology to really think about what those challenges are. 
but a lot of people, even family members who know the individual so well, sometimes we can be the biggest uh, barrier because we care so much um, and because we know how many challenges have to be overcome that we can be quite resistant and we can resist on behalf of other people thinking that we're doing a service when in fact it's, it's hindering experimenting uh, and taking us to the next level. What you identify is a barrier that we can address. What are your thoughts on how we do that? We all need to start using the technology with our own families, with our friends, and getting comfortable ourselves. Experimenting is really, really important right now. Sharing best practices and training. We've helped people think about the health and safety around uh, COVID, but now we actually need to provide training for people who are working with older adults about delivering services and programs in a virtual way. I see a, a huge opportunity for supporting PSWs, uh, personal support workers, especially ones that are spending many hours with seniors to get them on board so that they can buddy up around the technology, uh, as well as providing training, uh, not just encouragement, but training for caregivers and family members on how they might use the technology to help their loved one feel connected is going to be really important. I'm seeing a lot of parents going to boot camp for how to do homeschooling. We need to see more of that for family members that are caring for adults. Another thing is I do worry a little bit about funders. I've heard that there's been a little bit of resistance around funding online programs for seniors because the funder recognizes that the group has no experience doing it. So it's kind of a gamble. And they've heard about a lot of the challenges working with older adults online. We have to get the funding out there and try things. And we have to really encourage groups to be honest about what doesn't work so that we can provide funding where it's needed. One is not having the access um, to the technology. The second is people, may, maybe they have the, the iPad, but they don't know how to use it. And then the third one is offering meaningful, connected programs using the technology. And right now, all of those things seem to be jumbled into one. We need to try and tease those out so that we can provide feedback to each other, the people who are working in the sector, as well as to the funders so we can make the appropriate choices. Where are you now with your clients, the seniors' homes, care facilities that you're working with? How are you seeing that unfold? Going forward, I am going to be returning to one of my homes in September and then to balance that with being able to continue to do some online programming. I, I don't think that that's going away. I think it's going to be a hybrid situation for quite a while. And I think if you'd asked me a few months ago, I would have been really disappointed. But now I'm, I'm actually game for, for seeing what else uh, we can do with this technology. The online visits can, in some cases, be uh, better. When you have the in-person visit, you might have to wear a mask. You're social distancing. It can be quite noisy. We're actually finding that it's not as comforting sometimes to be in person. That urge to you know, have a big hug or to hold somebody's hand 
that can be quite difficult uh, when you're in person not to do that. For me and for clients, it brings up different anxieties that we're not feeling as much when we're connecting uh, online. If you could go back and talk to yourself on March 1st, what would you tell her? Mm. I'm not sure you'll like this answer, but if I went back onto March 1st, I would make sure to hold a lot more hands and to be physically uh, present uh, with people, to not be distracted by the technology when I was with them, because um, having this distance has really reminded me how important that is, and it's the biggest gift that we can give each other. And um, I feel like I wasn't present enough uh, before. That's an awesome answer. Hmm. Make me a bit sad thinking about all the people whose hands I haven't touched in so long. And it's hard, it's hard. It's hard. I think you probably have touched a lot of hands. That memory will stay with people. Anything else that you want to say that we didn't cover? Invite people to join you online. Don't anticipate the answer. And even if they don't join, uh, they'll feel something that you invited them and they might be curious enough. And I think that's been one of my mistakes. I know with the whole technology thing with my parents, I, I sometimes, I don't know, just felt like, oh, I'll show you how to do this, but I'm gonna be the judge of what you need to know. You're not gonna be taking an online course, so I don't need to show you how to do that. And I just realized how limiting that is to um, not put out those invitations and to be making assumptions. So that, I think that's one of the things I'm really taking away from this is, yeah, it's gonna be difficult for people to join, um, but don't let that stop you from inviting them. You know, I, I have my own biases for sure, but also just hearing groups say, oh, we're not going to try because our, our audience, and I'm like, oh, okay. And maybe that was okay in March, but at this point, I don't feel like we have the luxury uh, not to try. I agree with Emma. We don't have the luxury not to try, which is why Emma and I have decided to have a follow-up conversation. And we're excited to invite you to join us. We're meeting on Thursday, November the 5th at 7 p.m. by Zoom. We'll be checking in with how things are going with Emma and her clients. We'll pick up our discussion about how to use modern tech to deliver rich programs to seniors. And maybe we'll be sharing some of our ideas for new technologies we think could transform how we stay connected to the people we love. Of course, we'll also be taking your questions. So I'm excited to invite you to be a part of the conversation. To sign up and find more information, please visit orangegate.ca. That's orangegate.ca. If you'd like to learn more about Emma and Blooming Caravan, or you want to book a creative companionship visit with her, please go to bloomingcaravan.ca. If this is the first Bricks to Bytes podcast you've listened to, I invite you to check out some of our other episodes this season, available wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Yana Ritchie. Thanks for listening, and I look forward to seeing you on November 5th.